Hey friend, get ready to listen in on some long-form conversations and stories with people who are awakening the church for such a time as this. You'll hear from pastors, authors, advocates, and regular people just like you and me who are all part of the remnant rising to wake the church up. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the All My Favorite People podcast. My name is Brittany Jones, and with me today, I'm very honored to have the lead pastor of Discovery Church, where we have been for the last 14 years, um, Don Cousins. Hi, Pastor Don. How are you? Good. Good day, Brittany. It's great to see you. Great to see that smile. You look like a million bucks. Oh, thank you. It's the HD filters on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, the little secret. And it's been awesome having you and your family as a part of Discovery for as long as you have been. It's a it's a blessing to have you. I wish we had a few hundred more just like you. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think we've been there right around the same time, right? Yeah, yeah, about exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your family and uh, your your role at Discovery? And then we'll kind of dive into our conversation today about a biblically sound church and the importance of that. Right. Great. Well, thanks for having me today. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, Marianne and I have been married uh, 38 years. Uh, we have three grown children, all married. Uh, Kyle, our oldest, married to Heather. Uh, Kyle and uh, Heather with their little girl, Josie, who's almost two years old, and one more coming in April, uh, Lord willing. Uh, they live here in Orlando. Uh, uh, Heather works for an organization called Generous Giving uh, part-time, and then Kyle is the president of a ministry called Mission Increase. And um, so anyway, it's a great having them uh, in the area, and we get to see them quite often. And then our second one is uh, Kirk. Uh, Kirk is married to Julie. They have two little boys, Cooper and Turner, who are five and three. Uh, they live uh, part of the year in Minnesota because Kirk plays quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. And um, and then they are actually building a home here in Orlando. So they'll have an opportunity in the future to at least spend some of their year uh, here in Orlando. And then our daughter, Carolyn, is married to Reed. Uh, they have two little boys, uh, um, Chase and um, Carson. And they are just, oh boy, they're only like 15 months apart. Um, and they're, they're one and, uh, you know, just turned two, uh, not too long ago. So anyway, uh, uh Carson's not quite one. Uh, anyway, Carolyn is a doctor and works part-time for uh, Advent Health and Reed is an engineer and they live, rent a home, uh, eight doors down the street from us. So we see them, uh, a lot. So anyway, very blessed, uh, to have, um, uh, three children and their spouses who all love the Lord, walk with the Lord, and uh, obviously we get to see them uh, quite a quite a bit. And then I've been the lead pastor of Discovery Church for ten years. I've been involved at Discovery a little longer than that, but um, started out as a uh, as a consultant, working with the leadership team at the church, and then things evolved to a point where uh, the door opened to my uh, being asked by the elders to step into my role as lead pastor. So I've been doing that, as I say for ten years and. It's been a great privilege. Uh, God's alive in the church and moving in powerful ways. And uh, as, as the people of the church hear me say often, it's a privilege to be in a setting where God is moving. So I feel privileged to be here. Mm, I 100% agree. It is a privilege to be in a place where God is moving. And I think, you know, that's really kind of the, the crux of what we're going to talk about today, because um, unfortunately, I think especially what the last two years or three years have created in our society and our culture, 
are churches that um, maybe, and, and I think this was happening obviously before COVID, but yeah. there are churches where um, the spirit may not be there every week and the spirit may not be moving. And so um, I'm going to give a little backstory because I think this is such a great, um, just such a great example of what we're talking about, which is when we were looking for our new building, uh, we had kind of put our name and stamped our name on this one building saying like, Lord, this is where you see us. Um, you had confirmation of that. The elders had confirmation of that. And yet it didn't end up happening right away. And it fell through. Um, right. We kind of stepped back and said, okay, well, apparently that's not where we're supposed to be right now, or the timing isn't right. Lord, what do you have for us? And I think, was it six months or a year? It kind of came back around. Yeah, six months. Yep, six yeah. months later. Yep. And then the doors were opened and everything started moving forward. And I just remember um, that was one of the first times I think where I felt like it was such an obvious moment of like, okay, first right. of all, Don totally hears from the Lord, like he, and he's, and he's being obedient to that. And I think that was such, um, I think that took a lot of faith and especially for a congregation, our size, it was really encouraging to see you um, and, and the leadership team at Discovery say like, we're, our faith and our hope is not in this building or in what, you know, we've been told already, we're going to listen to what God's saying right now. Um, and kind of move in that direction. So was that um, was that a pivotal moment for you in our church? And I think it was. Yeah, you know, I think it was a pivotal moment for the church, and, uh, and I think it was a it was an incredible example of God's hand being on the church uh, because we were in desperate need of finding a new facility uh, where we were located. We had uh, uh, outgrown. Uh, parking was a challenge. Uh, seating was a challenge. Uh, we had a lot of challenges with that building. It served us, you know, served Discovery well for years, but it had uh, run its course. So uh, where we're located in Orlando, there's not a lot of property, uh, not a lot of property available. Uh, this is a built out area, if you will. And so as a result, didn't have a lot of options. We looked for a long time. We found this property and it was mostly vacant. It was uh, basically, it was a um, it was like a strip center with an anchor, a large anchor store, uh, mostly vacant. Uh, however, there was um, uh, a sign in the window of several of the uh, tenant spaces that indicated a church was uh, meeting there, although the area wasn't renovated. So obviously they weren't meeting there. We tried to get a hold of them for several months trying to find out what their intentions were because they were in fact leasing that space, even though they weren't actually using it. And uh, we didn't get any return phone calls. And as a result, we went ahead with um, signing all the contract, everything to purchase the property. And then all of a sudden, about a month before we were gonna close, I get a call from the senior pastor of that church who said, can we meet and talk about this? And said, great. So we did. And uh, he communicated that he believed that this was God's property for his church and asked us to cancel our contract. Mm. And uh, of course, that was a tough ask. But uh, in praying about it and talking with the elders, felt like, you know, it was the right thing to do. So we stepped back, took our hands completely off of it, canceled our contract. And um, began to look again for a different property. And it was it was really it was it was a surrendering, if you will, uh, of of all control 
like I said, we canceled the contract. We 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 gave it up. We washed our hands of it and said, okay, we'll we'll move on. Um, and then about six months later, uh, it was in June of that uh, same year, I got a text message from that senior pastor saying, if you're still interested in the property, give me a call. So I called him and he said, we've decided not to move forward. So if you're interested, uh, you know, you can have the property with our blessing. And so we uh, resurrected the contract, if you will, same price, et cetera. Wow. Uh, went ahead and were able to purchase it and uh, began the renovation. And here we sit, uh, here we sit today. In fact, we, you know, we moved into that uh, property, Brittany, just three weeks before COVID for a short period shut us down. Yeah. And uh, and even the fact that we were able to get in that property three weeks before was significant because we were therefore limited to doing online services for uh, a little window when we were shut down from holding public gatherings. Uh, however, because of the technology that we had put in the new facility, we were able to do the online services at what we felt was a really high quality. Uh, whereas if we had been in our old facility, we would not have been able to do the same uh, kind of uh, online mm. uh, production that we were able to do. And so even in that, God provided from a timing standpoint. Uh, and so it just these are evidences of God's hand upon the life of the church. Yes, I agree. And I think we've is this our third? I think this is our third Christmas in there. Yep. And uh, love our spot. We're right across from the Florida Mall. So if you guys are local and you need a church, mm. we're going to tell you all about why Discovery is, in my opinion, <laughs> the best church in Orlando. But, you know, I'm <laughs> partial. I'm a bit biased. Um, but today we wanted to talk a little bit about what is a biblically sound church. And I think um, this has been so important to me personally to hear you over the last several years, really um, standing up speaking out on things that are, um, I think the world would look at it and say it's political, but really we know that it's a spiritual issue. Um, a, and so things like, you know, parenting, we had a whole series on the family um, mm -hmm. and what that looks like, especially in this day and age. Um, we've done series on revelation and not from the like, you know, scary, like end times, woo woo sort of way, but like looking at the churches and, and what is God saying to those churches? And so I, I think a lot of times, um, you know, people want the church to be relevant and they want the church to speak to, to what's happening in culture. And then sometimes when the church does that, people don't like it. <laughs> so, um, right. it's exactly. been so encouraging to be in a place, um, where not only you, but all of our pastors are, um, more concerned with teaching the truth of God's word than appeasing the masses, if you will. Yep. So yep. where I, I'm assuming I know where this comes from, you know, this is a deep seated, um, it's of great importance to you to make sure that discovery is aligned that way. But I'd love to hear from you kind of what your thoughts are on why it's so important um, to be. Well, I believe, I, I, I believe to the core of my being, and we believe as a church leadership team that the Bible is the word of God, uh, that it's, it's not just uh, a bunch of good ideas and principles uh, from which you pick and choose what you like or don't like. 
we, we don't believe that it was uh, merely written by men, although men were the scribes, approximately 40 of them uh, over a period of uh, 1,500 years of authorship, uh, but believe that it is, in fact, the Word of God. It was inspired by God. That's God's content, uh, that men were simply the scribes uh, of it. In fact, we, you know, we did a series last year uh, on, on some of the big questions of the faith. And one of the questions that we grappled with, uh, and I in, in particular gave a message on, is the Bible really the word of God? How do we know that it's the word of God? And, um, and I, I believe to the core of my being that it is the word of God. And therefore, because it is the word of God, it is the truth. And therefore, there's no uh, we have no desire to compromise what's there, to lessen what's there, um, that, uh, that we, we uh, wholeheartedly believe it's the word of God. We teach it as the word of God. We operate uh, as though it's the word of God. Uh, it is the playbook, we believe, for the church and for life. And so therefore, uh, it's at the foundation of everything that we, that we do. And, uh, you know, the church to a great degree today, to, uh, unfortunately, is losing its way. And, and, and my fundamental belief is that the reason the church is in many cases losing its way is because it, it's not viewing the word of God, the Bible, as the word of God. Uh, uh, too many ministers are picking and choosing and saying, well, you know, I don't like that or I don't agree with that or this is too narrow, or this is out of touch, or that was true back then, but it's no longer true today. And as a result, uh, it becomes what I call a case of pick-and-choose Christianity. And uh, I'm, I'm not on board with pick-and-choose Christianity. The Bible is the Word of God, and therefore um, it's, it is um, uh, unchanging uh, in its uh, truth as well as its relevancy. Uh, the Word of God was, was relevant when it was written, and it's relevant still today. Uh, as the Word says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the ring of truth still rings really loud. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's nothing new under the sun either. So the things that we're seeing today, you know, right. it feels like the world is, you know, headed to hell in the handbasket, right? And you think back of, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah and all the other things right. that have played out over history. Right. And, yeah. you know, God's not surprised. He's not, you know, wondering what's going on down here. He, right. um, this is, this is human nature and it's, and it's become, I think, more um, obvious to a lot of people, but mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a new thing. And so I guess my question would be, let's say someone is not plugged into a biblically sound church or we're, we're using this term biblically sound church and they're other than obviously preaching and teaching, opening the word of God and, and, you know, speaking from that every week, what might be some other indicators that their church is a, a spiritually um, and biblically sound church? Well, you know, believing that, that the, that the Bible is the word of God starts there. It needs to be taught by those that are teaching from it uh, as though it's the word of God without compromise, without uh, alteration. Uh, and then it needs to be adhered to in terms of obedience. So when uh, people in the church are, in the case of discovery, are not living in alignment with it in a, in a clear way, um, uh, then, uh, you know, we're going to talk to them about that. 
uh, you know, we don't allow leaders, for example, to be involved in immoral relationships. Uh, uh, we, we don't allow people to espouse ideas that are not, uh, that are not biblical. And uh, when there are occasions when people do that sort of thing and then they need to be talked to and they either need to bring their thinking and their behaving under the authority of God's word or, uh, you know, they need to find a, another environment that uh, would be in alignment with what they with what they believe. We don't we don't you know, I don't have any desire or need to control people, Brittany, uh, to to, uh, you know, uh, uh, God has given each of us a free will, and we have the freedom to make choices. Um, my job isn't to control you or anybody else with regard to your your free will. My job is to uh, instruct uh, God's design for life based on what he's outlined in his word, and to encourage you and to do all we can to come alongside you and, you know, obviously everybody else to live in alignment with the word of God. Uh, and to the degree that you do great and to the degree that you don't, then we're probably going to have a conversation at some point in time, uh, about that. So, uh, there's a lot of places where the church is either not leaders are not believing it to be the word of God. They're not teaching it as the word of God, or people are allowed to live in disobedience to it. And, um, and, uh, and as a result, then there's breakdown and there's fallout and there are consequences. And, uh, and, and I believe as a result of that, God withdraws his hand of blessing mm -hmm. with regard to what he's doing, because as, as, um, uh, you know, I use the illustration and you've heard me use it of, of, uh, the game of golf, you know, game of golf is a difficult game, uh, no matter, you know, even if, when you play it in the fairway, but if you don't play it in the fairway, then you go into your ball goes into an area called the rough, you're going to have a rougher time. Well, the word of God, if you will, is the fairway of life, and it teaches us how to live, uh, you know, in the fairway of life, to do things the right way and to relate in the right way and to handle money the right way and to handle our job the right way, et cetera, et cetera. Life is still difficult. As Jesus said, in this world, you will have you will have trouble. All right. And like I said, with the game of golf, even when you play it in the fairway, the best in the world, even when they play the game of golf and they hit their ball always in the fairway, it's still a challenging game. And uh, uh, they don't they don't always get power in every hole, uh, even though they hit the ball in the fairway. Um, but when you hit it in the rough, you got a problem. And when you live outside the word of God, you're going to do life in the rough. Mm. And uh, and and uh, I don't, I don't want to do life in the rough. I don't want the church to do life in the rough. And I don't want people like you and your family, Eric, to do life in the rough. Uh, so therefore, uh, let us tell you what life is in the fairway. And um, and so. You know, when churches aren't doing that, uh, then it leads to consequences. And um, and unfortunately, there's too many churches these days that are that are doing life in the rough. Mm. That actually brought up two what I like to call Dawn isms um, as you were speaking. One of them is this uh, almost mantra that's ha become in my house, which is make good choices and good things happen, make bad choices and bad things happen. Uh, that is a new parenting philosophy just in our home since yeah. since being yeah. a discovery. Um, and then the other one is this, I you know, you'll hear it a lot in discovery, which is this idea of um, heart transformation and not behavior modification. And I think I thought of that as you're talking about, you know, people on staff or people who are leading others. 
Um, one of the big things I think you do see, and and unfortunately we see this in like church hurt, church abuse, you know, moral failings it, within um, staff and things like that um, all over the country. And it's this idea that um, just modify your behavior. But at the end of the day, that's not necessarily what God is asking of us. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit about that? Because I just love, it's such a simple concept. And yet, um, I love when you unpack it. So, well, you know, in the book of Proverbs, we read, and it's a, it's one of my life verses, Proverbs 423 says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And uh, what Solomon is writing there is, uh, obviously, when you read the opening phrase, above all else, what does that mean? Well, above all else. In other words, this is really, really, really important. Mm. And then he goes on to say, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And what that means is, life flows from the heart. Life doesn't flow outside in. Life flows inside out. Um, uh, you know, we, so many people construct their life in such a way as to live what I call outside in, meaning they try and make their life out here, their job, their relationships, their family, their finances, their, you know, everything in life out here, get it the way they want it, believing that if they do that, then within they'll have peace and joy and happiness, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the reality is, and we all know it, that we can't get life out here to be the way we want it, okay? Uh, I mean, tell me of a day when everything in your life out here was as you want it to be. You know, those days are few and far far between, all right? There's too, there's too much brokenness all, all around us. Uh, so really what Proverbs, what Solomon is saying there in Proverbs is, don't, don't, Spend all of your energy and your focus trying to get everything out here the way you want it. Instead, focus on getting your heart where it needs to be, your character where it needs to be, your your wholeness as a person where it needs to be. And, and then you can then respond in the right way to what goes on out here in life. You know, Jesus said, uh, the mouth speaks of that which is in the heart. And uh, and so the the mouth, uh, just like, you know, in the book of James, and we're going to come to it here in a matter of weeks, um, you know, a rudder on a ship steers a very small thing, steers a, a, a huge ship, okay, or a bit in the horse of a mouth, and uh, in, in the mouth of a horse, I'm sorry, um, uh, steers this large animal, okay, uh, a spark, you know, can start an entire forest ablaze, very small things, okay, well, we all understand that someone's controlling the rudder. Someone's controlling the bit in the horse's mouth. Somebody has the, the match, if you will, with the spark, right? There's a source that's holding each of those small things. Well, what Jesus said is the mouth speaks of that which is in the heart, meaning the heart controls what comes out of this little thing we call our mouth. And, um, and, and as a result, us trying to control our tongue. Hmm. We're trying to control the rudder without going to the source of what controls the rudder. And what controls the rudder is the person who's at the steering wheel directing that rudder. Well, in the same way, Jesus said, you know, the mouth speaks of that which is in the heart. So the emphasis of the Bible is heart transformation. And this is what God's focused on. This is what God is interested in. 
knowing that if our heart is transformed, our behavior will follow. Too many people are trying to go through life controlling their behavior. And uh, that's, that's, that's like trying to control the wind. Uh, you know, good luck with that one. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you, you can't do it. People can try to control their tongue, but that only lasts for so long. They try and control, control their, their morals, their, their, uh, you know, actions, their treatment of other people, but we all fail. We all fall short. And, uh, and so God says, let me transform your heart. Let me do a work inside of you. And, uh, and, and, uh, so above all else, guard your heart mm. for from it flow the springs of, of life. So yeah, it needs to be heart transformation produces behavior modification, not behavior modification produces heart transformation. Yes. And I'll tell you for me growing up in church where I was, I was free to be myself. I had a great church um, upbringing, but there is a, or I'll say for myself, there was a level of look this way on the outside. And I think so much, so many times Christians, especially if you've grown up in the church, you, you almost have this, um, like a doing mentality versus a being mentality, um, when it comes to your relationship and, you know, I, and you know, this, I was on staff, I'll do, 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 I'll perform, perform, perform. And it was actually incredibly freeing, if I'm being honest, to hear this concept of behavior of heart transformation over behavior modification, because I think sometimes, especially as like, you know, you're growing up in church type Christian, it's very easy to look and appear that way on the outside. And you may have head knowledge that has not transferred to your heart yet. Um, And so for me, it was like, um, it was, it's a simple phrase, but it's, it was freeing to know that what God really desires isn't the performance, isn't the doing, or it was right. really like, get, get near to me, get to know me better, right. you know, right. find out how I made you um, unique. And that, that way, what you produce on the outside becomes aligned with who you really are on the inside. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a far healthier way to, to, uh, to live. It's exhausting to try and live controlling your behavior in a way that doesn't honestly reflect who you are, uh, that that's exhausting, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 it just it's uh, you know in, in a sense you end up living by a checklist. You know I need to say this, I need to do this, and you know uh, make 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 all the right choices. But if it's not flowing from uh, an authentic self, uh, like I say, it's just exhausting to live live that way. Uh, that that's not that's that's what Jesus is wanting to free us from. You know, that's what the that's what the Jewish religious leaders were embroiled in and what they were putting on the people of Jesus day. And that's why Jesus said, come to me, uh, take my yoke upon you, get linked up with me. Uh, I will give you rest. Uh, you know, I, I want to free you from trying. You know, they they had the Jewish religious leaders had their 613 laws, if you will, their rules to live by. Yeah. Oh my goodness. 613, you know, whoa. Uh, well, that, that, that's exhausting mm-hmm. uh, to try and keep all that in line. Um, you know, uh, start, start by, you know, you know, it, when, for example, when words are coming out of my mouth and, and uh, maybe there's words of anger or there's words that reflect a bitterness or, or jealousy, 
I need to call time out and say, whoa, 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 what, what's going on inside of me that would cause me to talk like that? Because, because to simply say, well, I'm just not going to talk like that anymore. No. Uh, uh, if, if there's, for example, hurt inside, uh, it's going to come out in the way you, you talk. Mm. If, if there's, if there's agitation and frustration inside, probably going to come out in some words of anger or shortness or agitation. Well, you don't solve the problem by just changing the way you talk. You solve the problem by going after what's causing the problem in the first place inside. Let's deal with the hurt. And if you deal with the hurt and find healing from the hurt, then you'll find that you won't be talking words of bitterness. Um, so. You know, it's it's important to get to the core of the issue. You know, it's just like when we deal physically, you know, when we when we have something, um, you know, going on physically that's manifesting itself in how we, you know, feel or how we look. It doesn't you don't solve the problem just by covering it up. You mm -hmm. solve the problem by saying what's going on inside of me that I need to address from a health standpoint in order to bring in order to bring healing. It uh, doesn't do any good to put a Band-Aid on cancer, as they say. You know, mm. you got to get to the core of the issue. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Yeah. yeah. This is about heart transformation. He wants to free us from uh, living by a bunch of rules and regulations. Yes. Thank God. Because <laughs> yep. I couldn't do 613. And I know you're a great man, but. No. No. no, no <laughs> Let's no, be real, no. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, some of the other core tenets of Discovery are, you know, we're a church that prays. We're a church. Um, can you, I know you could probably just rattle them all off, right? Could you? Well, we, we, we have some values, Yes. Uh, you know, as we say, we're, we're instructed by the word of God. Uh, we're rooted in the worship of God. Uh, we're all worshipers. It's just a question of who or what are we worshiping? We want to be worshiping the living God. We want to be devoted to prayer. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, so, you know, I kind of view those three values as what we could call vertical values, values with, with God, word, worship, and prayer. And then out of that come the values of, uh, stewarding God's provision that, uh, we're all stewards of what God has given to us, uh, that we need to be people of compassion, uh, in the way in which we treat people, uh, around us. And then uh, ultimately that we be messengers of the gospel, that we we have good news is what the word gospel means. And that good news is that Jesus came uh, to this world to fix the brokenness of it, starting with each and every one of us individually. So those are our values. And uh, uh, they really flow, as you've heard me uh, uh, teach on them, from uh, what I see as the first church that we read of in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 2. And then that leads, in our case, to what we call the six practices of a disciple, that when you're a follower of Jesus, there are certain lifestyle practices that not only reflect the fact that you're a disciple of Jesus, but when you live by these practices, they help grow you as a disciple of Jesus. And uh, we, we uh, summarize those in six words, abide, where it all begins, you know, our relationship with God. We gather together as his people. Uh, we relationally get connected. We call it belonging. All right. And then out of that, uh, we serve, we give and we invite. And, uh, and so as we do those six practices, as I say, 
that's what it means to live as a disciple of Jesus. It's also key to growing as a disciple of Jesus. Yes. And I love that part of that is the gathering and the community piece. Mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, what the last couple of years has also done is um, allowed people the comfortability to sit in their homes and still be a part of church, which, you know, pros and cons. Uh, they're obviously, it's great that people are having access to maybe a place they've not had access before. But, um, you know, it does say to not, um, to continue to meeting, meeting together. And so I love that that's part of our, our core values as well. And I think it's so important. And then you also talked about serving. And so um, talk to me a little bit about why it's important to actually get plugged into your biblically sound church, because it's great if your pastor's standing up there preaching the word every week and encouraging you and you're living into, you know, transformation and not just behavior modification, but there's a tangible, um, I think the tangible evidence of that can look like serving. And so why is that so important? Because I think we know it's what 10% of the church might actually jump in and do the, those serving pieces. Yeah. Well, um, let's go back to the very beginning. God dwells in a context of relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and 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 He always has. So God Himself dwells in relational community as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We were created in the image of God, which means that we were created to do life in relational community. Uh, doing life in isolation doesn't work. It's not what we were designed to, is that what we were designed to do? Okay. I wasn't designed, I, I can use my hands to motion, but I wasn't designed to talk with my hands. I wasn't designed to talk with my feet. I wasn't designed to talk with my ears. My ears were designed as a vehicle to hear. My mouth, you know, uh, our mouth speaks. There, there's a design to what God does. Well, God, being who He is, existing in community, relational community, created us in his image. We were created for relational community. So yes, as you say, well, it's a good thing that we can offer services online and people, if they're on vacation or if they're not feeling well, they can still plug into the services. That's a great thing. But there's something that gets missed when a person is not connecting to other people, uh, other followers of Jesus. And uh, that includes not only the large group gatherings, but small group gatherings as well, rubbing shoulders with, with other people. But then in addition to that, God has called us to join him in his work. Uh, God obviously doesn't need our help. God can accomplish whatever he wants without our help. But he calls us to partner with him in the accomplishment of his purposes. And that's where the serving piece comes in. And so as we participate in serving, we're participating with God in the accomplishment of his work. Uh, and, and so, in effect, we do life with God. And when we do life with God uh, in the accomplishment of his purposes, there's, a, there's a, a sense of meaning. There's a sense of purpose. There's a, there's a sense of calling to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Uh, we get out of our selfishness. Uh, 
it, it, there's a fulfillment that comes in seeing God use us in some way to make a difference in somebody else's life. And so we all want to live with meaning and purpose. We all yeah. want to experience fulfillment. We all want to see our lives accomplish things that, that, are, that are fruitful uh, because we've been created with those, with those desires. And so God calls us to serve. He gives us spiritual gifts uh, with which to serve. He give, obviously gives us talents. He gives us personality. Um, he, he gives us, uh, you know, different callings, if you will, things that, that he puts a passion in our heart to be engaged in. And as we live into those things, then we discover meaning and purpose in life and we find fruitfulness in life and we experience fulfillment in life with all of which we want. And, uh, by God's calling, he gives us an opportunity to experience those things. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I am a testament to that personally. I have like I said, grew up in church. So I always um, felt like I should be serving. And when I flipped that mindset from, oh, this is something I should be doing to like, well, this is how God uniquely wired me. And now right. I'm serving within that. Um, right. It's a whole different level of, I think the word you use is fulfillment. And it's so true. I mean, to, to know right. that you're walking in what God has called you or created you to do. I literally was just talking Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 the other yesterday. Yeah. Uh, you know, he set this path already for us and we get to walk in that. And right. sometimes, you know, there are amazing organizations all over our city. Um, if, if your heart is sparked for a buddy break or a servant's heart or choices, women's clinic, or any of these partners that we have, um, it's amazing to be able to, through the church, plug into those. Um, and, and maybe it's, you know, serving in kids. We started serving in kids ministry this year, yeah, Eric yeah, and I, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. been such a blessing, you know, to be able to speak into yeah. little lives. Yep. Um, there's, there is a joy, a, a genuine, just joy overflow that comes from, um, serving others. And we all know this, even from like a secular standpoint, right. right. When you do something right. nice for someone, right. it, it right. fills exactly. you, you know? And exactly. so, yeah, but yeah. but there's so much more to it when you're doing it for the Lord. <laughs> yeah, there is. Well, one of my favorite movies of all time is Chariots of Fire, the the story of Eric Little, and uh, you know one of the classic lines in uh, in in the movie is when he's had a conversation with his sister. Uh, his his parents, their parents, were missionaries in China. She wanted Eric to give up what she considered to be the frivolity of his running. And uh, to to head to China and uh, and and do what she was designing as or de de defining as meaningful and important. And he says to her, and it's chronicled in the movie, uh, uh, "Sis, the day will come when I'll when I'll uh, I believe God will have me go to China, uh, but for now, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel His pleasure." And I believe God made all of us with certain gifts and abilities and given us certain passions. And when we live into those things, as you said a moment ago, a reflection of our wiring, we sense the pleasure of God. And uh, and and uh, living, you know, sensing the pleasure of God is a is a tremendous blessing. And uh, and when you know what that is, you don't want to live without it. So uh, serving is what creates an opportunity to live with that sense of, uh, of God's pleasure. Yes. Well, I'm going to do a little plug here because it just popped in my head. You've got this thing called Finding Your Fit that uh, you were the author, one of the co-authors of that. Is that correct? 
Yeah, we, we put together a curriculum, if you will, many years ago uh, at a church I was working for to help people discover their God-given wiring, uh, their spiritual gifts, understand what spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, when I understood them for the first time as a freshman in college, were, were a game changer for me. Uh, that I realized biblically that God had actually given me some quote-unquote supernatural talents, uh, some abilities that he had put in me. And so when I first learned of that, and they were called spiritual gifts, I said, oh my goodness, I have to find out what are the spiritual gifts and which ones are mine? What has God given me? And, uh, and, and so, you know, from that point on to today, many years later, decades later, you know, I'm endeavoring to try and use the gifts that God has given me. And, um, and uh, you know, it, it, it makes up a huge part of my life. So as a result, years ago, a friend and I, and I on that staff put together uh, some materials to help people identify what are the spiritual gifts? How do I know which, what are my spiritual gifts? How do I get my gifts to use within the work of the, of the church? And so, yeah, we have a class at Discovery we call Finding Your Fit, which uh, tries to help answer those questions for people. Yeah. And then I think another one that's come kind of on the newer side is soul care. And you've mentioned several times from the stage that every single member of Discovery, every single person should go through soul care. I have not been through it yet, but I would love to hear your thoughts on why you think that's uh, an important thing for all of us to participate in. Well, as the title would suggest, soul care, you know, God's given us a soul, uh, you know, and as I referred to earlier from Proverbs uh, 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. The soul care class is really about our transformation. It's about caring for your soul. It's about uh, getting down to the root issues that make up who we are as people. You know, God made us, uh, Brittany, to to be uh, healthy people, to be whole people. Uh, you know, when Adam and Eve were in the garden initially, uh, they had a rightness about them in four four ways. They were right with God. They were right them, with themselves. They were, you know, they were naked and not ashamed. All right. There was no shame. They were right with one another. And then they were right with the world around them, the Garden of Eden, which God had given them a responsibility to, to manage. Okay. Well, when they made the choice to not obey God, he had given them a command, that tree there, don't eat the fruit of that, of that tree. Everything else, you know, have at it. But that fruit of that tree, don't eat that fruit. Well, they were tempted to, to believe the lie of the enemy. Uh, they end up eating that fruit because they didn't want to be under God. They wanted to be equal with God. They wanted to be like God. Well, as a result, uh, those four right relationships broke down. Their relationship with God uh, broke the fellowship. They ran and hid from God. Uh, they experienced shame for the first time, realizing they were naked. There was a, an enmity between them. Uh, you know, when God asked Adam, why did you do this? And he, he blamed Eve. And then when Eve is asked, she blamed the, the enemy. Okay. And then obviously they were sent from the garden. Uh, and, and then they had to work the land and, uh, and, uh, women were given, you know, pain in childbirth. And, and so there were consequences, if you will. And so there was a breakdown of those four right relationships with God, self, others, and the world around them. Well, 
God is, is wanting to bring rightness back. That's really what righteousness means. Righteousness isn't simply behaving the right way. Righteousness is being put back in a place of right relationship with God, self, others, and the world around you. And uh, that's really what soul care is about. Mm. And therefore, we're, we're, we all want to be whole. We all want to uh, live in right relationship with God, others, ourselves. Uh, we don't want to live with shame. We don't want to live with blame. We don't want to live uh, at, at war with God. And we don't want to live, you know, uh, not understanding how to function in the world around us. So soul care is, a, is really fundamentally about helping people once again, connect in right relationship in all four of those spheres. And so that's why I encourage everybody to go through it, because I think what's taught there, uh, what's laid out content wise, uh, will help people discover a new level of wholeness. I love that. I've done my own deep dive personally in the last five years. I There was no soul care discovery yet, but I yeah. just kind of uh, took that on my own. And um, it is another huge piece, I think, to living into your calling is um, kind of unpacking and pulling out those weeds of the, the stuff and the things that are holding you back. And um, right. like you said, once you can kind of determine the root of those and where they're coming right. from, um, get rid of it. And, uh, you know, obviously things still pop back up and nobody's perfect. And, uh, right. but, but there's a, there's healing that happens. And, right. um, you know, you, you hear the phrase hurt people, hurt people, but healed mm -hmm. people, heal people. I truly yeah. believe. And, um, and I think, you know, you really can't fully step into what God has created for you to do on this earth. Yeah. Um, yeah. without that healing. Right. Yep. Amen. Amen. So wholeness is, is what God, God, God originally designed. It's what he sent Jesus to restore and it's available. Uh, not perfection, but wholeness is available. Yeah. And, uh, and so anyway, I love it. Well, one last thing before we talk about Christmas Eve and invite everyone. Yeah. Um, how, what do we say to the person who's listening today? Who's like, Man, Discovery Church sounds awesome. I don't live in Orlando. What uh, what can I do on my own, or what should I be seeking out locally um, to make sure that I'm someplace where God is moving? I guess. Well, what I what I, I'll tell I'll tell people what I've told my kids as they were growing up. You know, as you get older, and uh, you but be it you go away to college or you get married, and and you're no longer living at home, you're you know moved to a different city or whatever. When you're going to find a church, first of all, you need to find a church. Uh, when you go find a church, uh, the first time you go, um, you need to know is this a church that's going to teach the Bible as the Word of God. And, and if you find that you really didn't need your Bible to be at that church, uh, it wasn't really taught or it wasn't taught well or it wasn't taught with any sense of depth, uh, then I'd suggest you move on and go find a different church. Uh, you know, it, you have to start with the fact that this is the word of God, that this is the playbook. And, uh, and therefore, uh, a church has to be founded with that playbook in mind. So you start there, and uh, I would encourage uh, anyone uh, where they are to find a church where the Word of God is honored, where God is worshipped, uh, where, you know, as we say, if you read Acts chapter 2, 
roughly verses 37 to 47. Uh, you, you, you're going to, you know, read about those first group of Jewish people who realized that Jesus was the Messiah and they gave their life to him. Uh, and as Peter says, if you repent of your sin, uh, turn to Jesus, ask him to come into your life, uh, you're going to be given the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the very presence of God dwelling within you. Well, then in verses 42 to 47, it describes that first community of, of, of followers of Jesus. And uh, they devoted themselves, it says in verse 32, to the, to the apostles' teaching, uh, the word of God, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which was a reference to communion, the Last Supper, worship, and to prayer. So, and when you read from there, the description of what took place, uh, as you've heard me say, Brittany, at Discovery Church, you know, what are we trying to create? We're trying to create Acts 2, 42 to 47. We want to be a community that looks like that, that that prioritizes those things and uh, lives what we see there. And so I would tell people, go find a church that looks like Acts 2, 42 to 47. And uh, if you're in a community, you can't find that church. Well, then you can join us you know, online. Uh, we have small groups that take place online. There are classes you can attend online. I have friends around the country uh, who... Who I have a good friend in Buffalo. I talked to this week, Buffalo, New York, and uh, his job situation and just life overall makes it difficult for he and his wife to attend a church on a Sunday morning because of his work schedule, and uh, and yet they would consider themselves a part of Discovery Church, and uh, they watch our services online, and uh, and relationally they have some measure of being plugged in with some other people. Uh, he stays in touch with me. Now, again, I'm friends with him and have been for many years. I can't do that with everybody, but, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, uh, there are opportunities because of an online, uh, community that is, that is available, but it's really important to find a church if at all possible that you can attend in person that looks like the church of Acts chapter two. Yes, I agree. And to your point, Discovery Church Online uh, is its own little separate, almost little entity. And uh, like you said, of classes and all sorts of things people can get plugged into. Maybe you start a small group in your little town where you do message-based small group and you watch, you know, the service together. Find those like-minded people to still create that community um, in person, wherever you are. And then lastly, I just want to, you know, like you said, one of our one of our values is to invite. And so I would be remiss if we have this whole conversation and then not invite people. Um, So discovery right now, we're going through the book of James, which I also have to say, James is uh, James one is my life passage. It has been since my son was born. Uh, It sounds kind of mean to say it now when I think about it, but I was, uh, uh, I was found myself in an unexpected pregnancy at age 20 and that became my life verse of consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. I love that John broke down that many kinds means they can be self-inflicted because that one was, um, but that became my verse. And that is why my son's middle name is James. And, uh, and so when you told us we were unpacking that, I was very excited Little did I know we would spend three weeks on the first on the first several <laughs> verses, and I was like, "Yes, this is awesome." Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've really loved that that series that we're going through right now. Yeah, um, 
Yes. And then uh, Christmas, we have several services, which if you're here in Orlando, we'd love to see you out. Um, we actually have three campuses, which we hadn't even mentioned that, but we have three campuses across Orlando. There's one in Winter Garden. There's one out on Alafaya. And then our main campus is across from Florida Mall on Sand Lake Road. Um, we have a bunch of services. I I, I don't even know all, this, all of yeah. them. There's several. Yeah. Well, this year, Christmas is a little different because Christmas falls on Sunday. Uh, so, uh, and we would, uh, normally every year have Christmas Eve services. And, uh, and if it was on a Wednesday or a Thursday or Friday, we would, we would have a Christmas Eve service. And then we'd come back for that particular Sunday, whenever it, it fell 27th, 28th, whatever day it was. Well, this year with Christmas on the 25th, uh, we decided to approach a little bit differently and actually put on a Christmas celebration service. Um, and so we're offering that service five times. Uh, twice on the 23rd at five and seven o'clock and then on um, the 24th Saturday at one o'clock three o'clock and five o'clock and then uh, because of putting that much energy into those five services we're not going to have a public gathering on the 25th but instead we will uh, make an online service available and so uh, uh, on Christmas Eve uh, you can go to our website, discoverychurch.org, uh, or the church's app. Uh, you can get through Church Connect and your uh, uh, church center app is what it's called. And then um, access that service at some point on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day uh, with your family. And uh, I, I, do, I, I did record a, an abbreviated message uh, that I think is a very important one. And then we'll have some music, obviously, and uh, an opportunity for families or individuals to to get in front of the computer on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day and to focus in for a few minutes on what Christmas is all about. Yes. Well, I'm so looking forward to it. It's always a beautiful production every year, music. And yeah. um, again, that's another thing we didn't even touch on is the incredible worship that happens at Discovery. Um, it is 100% Holy Spirit led and just beautiful. And um, talk about people using their giftings for, for the yeah. Lord. Um, just incredible talent all, all throughout. And, and I think that is another thing for me that speaks to God's hand being there. Um, you know, the, just the excellence with which you know, weekend services are the kids ministry, the the student ministry. We've got so much going on. So if you are local in the Orlando area, in the vicinity at all, come please uh, check out Discovery Church. I am, like I said, we've been there 14 years. Um, we're not going anywhere. It's our home. Um, we definitely view it that way. And um, we lead a small group in our home. We've created relationships and connections yeah, with yeah, people yeah. throughout the years, watch their kids yeah. come up and yeah, yeah. all that great. good stuff. That's great. Um, That's great. Yep. Need a uh, home. Come on. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you, and, you and Eric are all in. We appreciate it. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning, Don. I so thank appreciate you, it. Thank and you. hopefully I'll, I, I'd love to have you on again. We can talk more theology <laughs> and all the like nitty gritty stuff Thanks. too. Thank you. I will make your name famous from now on. So people will praise you forever and ever. Psalm 45, 17. If you liked today's episode and want more info, check out lifejesusstyle.com and hashtag lifejesusstyle on social media.